So this is... of his ministry. A cup of water. Wouldn't have thought twice about it if it wasn't for that day that Jesus sat the 12 of us down. It was a busy morning. I feel like I'm going to get an amen at some point back in that corner. That's what I think. That's right. I love it couple things, um, as we go forward, uh, don't forget that we have, uh, of course, VBS coming up next week. Ashley's already talked to you about that. We have uh, set up uh, for those things this week. Uh, behind me is a, the inside of our spacecraft. Um, and uh, as you can see, there's a window over there. Uh, so we're quite uh, quite ways away. We're we're around the moon there. Um, so we'll be doing that this week. Of course, next week is Vacation Bible School. <clears throat> we have our shirts in. However, they won't be ready and and labeled and everything until next Sunday morning. Um, so next Sunday, if you volunteered, you got a shirt, and and, and I would appreciate it if you would. Wear those as much as you can during VBS week. It helps with the kids recognizing, you know, authority figures and things like that. So we'll be able to pick those up next Sunday morning. <clears throat> Please make every effort to do that. You'll be able to get them in the foyer. If you can't, it's not the end of the world. Well, we, can, we can get them to you that, you know, when VBS starts that, that evening and so forth. But um, make every effort to do that. Uh, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, first of all, I was really happy to, uh, to see and to be introduced to our new piano player uh, today, right? Wasn't that great? His name's Wesley Ramsey, Wesley Ramsey, if you get a chance to talk to him. Um, but uh, it was nice, it was nice having. I asked him, I said, I said, you got, just level with me, man. I said, over the past few weeks, as you've been sitting there and just, you know, you just, you know, you just sit and you, you, you sing along with everybody else. I said, was that hard? And he says, oh, yes. <laughs> hey. And it didn't have anything to do, I don't think, with, with everybody else up here. It's just he likes doing that, and that's just something that's part of his life. Um, so I really liked that. Uh, Ashley Phillips, as I mentioned a, a few weeks ago, has accepted the responsibility of heading up our children's ministry. And I wanted to update you a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about this in our elders meeting tomorrow evening a little bit, uh, but just so you're aware, uh, she's going to begin full-time at the end of October, all right? She'll begin full-time at the end of October. Um, she has other responsibilities that she needs to fulfill, you know, that's what happens when you take on a new role. You've, you've given your word other places, and you need to be able to do that. Um, 
But, so until that happens, I want you to continue to direct your children's ministry questions to me or the office or Erica uh, Cottle or, uh, or Brittany Oglesby. Uh, continue to do those things. Now, all of that being said, she's going to be here during Vacation Bible School. She's going to continue to help with uh, worship ministry uh, for a while. And she's going to be around not just the building, but also the church family when and if she can. So all that stuff's happening at the same time as well. Uh, but just bear in mind, as far as taking on full-time responsibility, that's not going to happen until a little bit later on this year. I want to keep you guys up to date. So anything you talk to Erica about or, or Brittany, and I really appreciate those two uh, filling that role temporarily. Anything you talk to me or Katrina about, we keep Ashley in the loop with all of those things as best we can. Uh, so just keep that in mind as we move forward. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. I, I don't know if that question um, has ever been on your heart and your mind. And if it has, I don't know if you've ever said, here am I, send me. Because to say, here am I, send me, uh, can get dangerous. <laughs> take us right out of our comfort zone. It can take us right out of, of being uh, sort of an island unto ourselves and getting involved in the lives of others. But God asks... Now, in this particular case, he was asking Isaiah, talking to Isaiah, but he asks all the time, who's going to go for us? Who's going to go for me? Who's going to do this? Who's going to be there? Who's going to sacrifice? Who's going to be humble enough? Who's going to be courageous enough? Who's going to persevere enough? And sometimes, sometimes, someone says, here am I, send me. I hope that it's often, I hope that it's a, a, a regular way of thinking and a regular way of doing things, um, but guys, I think you got last week's on there. Paul, I'm just going to call you right out, Paul. <laughs> Paul Robinette, who's sitting at the computer upstairs. I think you got last week's lineup on there. Get it together, Paul. Now, to be fair, I'm the one that put this one together. So, if not, just listen to the words. It, 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 but it's up there. I checked it this morning. You guys keep hunting around for that. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Here am I. Send me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the love that you have for us. We thank you for the fact that you challenge us in life. We thank you that, that we get to live up to many of these challenges for our good and for your glory. Thank you, Father, that you do look amongst your creation. And, 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 and even in human beings like us. And you allow us to participate in your ministry, in, in this saving grace towards people. I thank you, Father, for the gifts that you've given us, for the love that you've given us. I thank you, Father, for the opportunity that you give us to show and share and be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to Acts chapter 8.
Acts chapter 8. Now in Matthew chapter 5, this, this will not be on your screen, but Matthew chapter 5, we are reminded that we should let our good deeds shine before others. Let our good deeds, let our work, let our light shine before others so that others may glorify Jesus Christ, that they may understand and see the nature and character of our Father in heaven, and they may praise Him because of your work in their life. And so we ask the question, or someone may ask the question, do I know who Jesus is? Do I know what He is? Do I know what it means to be the hands and feet of Jesus? Do I know His nature? Do I know His character? Do you understand what Jesus looks like, essentially, what His heart looks like? And we may respond, how can I unless someone helps me? How can I unless someone shows me? On night five, we've been going over our VBS messages, and on night five, we really have a summary of everything we've talked about throughout the week. You know, we've talked about when days are dark, shine Jesus' light. Um, We've talked about when people don't get along, shine Jesus' light. We have talked about good days, shine Jesus' light. We've, We've talked about sadness or fear, all kinds of things, shine Jesus' light. And finally, we get to the end of our week, and it's really a summary, which is when people need help. When people need help, be the light of Christ. And you could say be the light of Christ. You could say be the body of Christ. You could say be the mind and heart of Christ, the hands and feet of Christ. When people need help, be Jesus in their life, church, because you are the church. The other people, whoever it is, the rest of the masses are not the church. You're the church. If you're not the hands and feet of Jesus, there are no hands and feet of Jesus. If you don't say, here am I, send me, then no one says, here am I, send me. You understand that? Do you understand that? Now, it's this body, and it's the body down the road, the body across the state, the body on the other side of the world. But the church says, I will be the hands and feet of Jesus. When people need help, I'll be the light of Christ. And I will do this for the glorification of God himself. There are many times we say that I will be the hands and feet. There's many times we say, here am I, send me. And we don't know the depth of some of those words. And then years later, Jesus says, hey, you told me. You told me you'd go. You told me you'd be there. You told me you would talk. You told me you would help. You told me you would serve. You told me you would sacrifice. You told me that you would be the light of Jesus. Many times we say, that was a long time ago. I don't remember saying this. Did you write this down? But Jesus remembers. Jesus knows whether or not we give our lives to Him to help other people. Today we find when people need help, shine Jesus' light. And we've heard the story, for example, of the Good Samaritan many times. And that's usually sort of the quintessential help others story. But the story used this year is in Acts chapter 8, where Philip helps the Ethiopian official, the Ethiopian eunuch, understand who Jesus is. Not that Philip, a different Philip. Okay? And, and not that Ethiopia, actually a different Ethiopia. All right? And the official serves Candace, but not that Candace. It's actually a different queen. All right? It's that simple. Trust me, we'll get through this. Um, this is, that's one of the reasons you study scripture. That's one of the reasons you ask questions uh, and you get into these things and dive into these things. Acts chapter 8 Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, This is Philip the deacon, not Philip the apostle. We are introduced to Philip earlier on in Acts, uh, earlier on in the book of Acts, but uh, 
but an angel of the Lord, the Spirit of God, said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, there's a very big command and one that's often hard for us to obey, uh, a very big word in this, which is go, go. Have you ever shrugged off the command to go? Have you ever thought to yourself or maybe talked yourself out of it and said, well, I'm not hearing it right? You may have shrugged off the command to go if it's across the world, maybe, but what about across the room? Go across the room or go pick up the phone, go to hospital, go serve, go volunteer. And while we're at it, what if we profess the name of Christ and the word go has never come into our hearts and minds? We say, I love Jesus. We say, I'll serve Jesus. We say, I've given my life to Jesus. We say, I am the hands and feet of Jesus. And yet in our hearts and our minds, we have never wrestled with the word go. Don't you think there's a problem there? Don't you think we're missing something? There is often the Spirit of God in our hearts and our minds that says go if we're going to profess the name of Jesus Christ in our lives. It is my guess that the professors of Christ have often heard or wrestled with the word go multiple times in their life. And then I've had conversations. I cannot hear the Spirit speak to me. Are you sure? Or do you just not like what He has to say? Are you sure the Spirit isn't speaking to you? Or you just not like what He has to say? Go, shine the light of Christ. When people need help, be the hands and feet of Jesus. God told Philip to go. I wonder if Philip had other plans. He probably did. I doubt he was just sitting there waiting for some voice, some movement, some urge, some command to tell him to go. He had life just like you and I, and yet he responded. He responded to God telling his creation, go, Acts chapter 8, 27 to 29. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. That's where you get Queen Candace, but that's not actually her name. You'll hear that a lot in different uh, translations. You'll hear that a lot in different historians, but that's technically not her name. So it is Candace the queen, but that's not, that's not really who she is. That's her, her name's not Candace. And he's Ethiopian, but not, not Ethiopia, okay? The Ethiopia we know today, that's not where he's from. This Ethiopia is a little further west, a little further north in Africa than what we know of Ethiopia today. That's actually, in this day, is very, very wealthy, uh, very large, very wealthy country. This is where Egypt gets all of its gold. That's, you got to, you know, you got to read into it. Just, just bear with me. That's just the way it goes. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. At some point, he had come to know at least the God of Jacob. At some point, he had come to know this Judaism, and he wanted to go to the temple to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay with it. In other words, God told the one who was willing and wanted to help, Show up and see what happens. Show up and see what happens. God, I want to help. I want to help. I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I want to show the love of Christ. I want to show what Jesus is really like. Jesus says, well, first, just go show up. Just go show up. That's 90% of life, right? Just showing up. He says, I want you to go and be near it. 
Notice at that point we have no specific orders from the Spirit, at least none written. Verse 30, and then Philip ran up to the chariot. He heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Now Philip starts taking this into his own hands. Now he starts to understand. He starts taking responsibility for the fact that he's there and the reason he's there. He knows that he is to offer help, some sort of assistance. He's not waiting at this point to be told he gets it. I'm there to help. So Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? Philip looked for and acted upon the opportunity to help someone else. Do you need help? And that's a big question. Do you need help is a big question because now you have just committed your life or a chunk of time to someone else's life. That's what you're saying. That's what you're committing to. Do you need help? It could be big. It could be small. I have no idea at this point, but I'm offering my life in your life. Do you need help? Don't, don't, don't throw that around lightly. No, make the commitment before you engage in those ways. Because you're offering, actually you're offering a resource that you're never going to get back. Time. Time. Every other resource, honestly I don't even think about the other resources. They come and they go. I, I don't care. I get what I need in life. God provides that. Time, time's all you have. You're offering time when you say, do you need help? Do you need help? Offering a part of your life. Finally, in verse 31, the official says, look, how can I? How can I understand unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Look, there are folks who simply need help, church. And you're in the position, you have been given the command, you've been given the opportunity to help people. There are folks, look, I get it, I, I, I live in the real world just like everybody else. There's folks that are going to simply drain you time after time, day after day, year after year, never really taking on responsibility in their own life. That's, that's reality. you got to deal with that. But don't let that dissuade you from helping people. Helping people. Helping people because you're a servant of Christ. You will, you will come across many, many people. Sometimes they're strangers, church. Sometimes they are strangers in your life who simply need one dose of help. One dose of the light of Jesus Christ. And that's it. They're off the races for the rest of life. I don't know who they are. You don't know who they are. So why should we pick and choose? Sometimes somebody just needs a little help. We have the opportunity to do that, and they're off and running. Verse 32, this is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Now, we know, or most of us, I suggest, know who Isaiah is talking about here. This is a prophecy we talk about a lot. Uh, we talk about it at Easter time, about Jesus, about the crucifixion, about his sacrifice. But this Ethiopian had no idea who Isaiah was talking about. We have 2,000 years of experience understanding or beginning to understand the character of Christ. There are people out there who don't. We, 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 we take for granted the fact Sometimes that people just know what Jesus is and who Jesus is and how Jesus acts and how we're supposed to behave in life. 
because we're immersed in it. You're here. And this is good. This is good. Be immersed in it. Don't, don't apologize for that. Celebrate that. But there are many people who simply don't understand some things that you and I might understand. There's people in this room who don't understand what another person in this room understands. There's people in this room who need help that someone else doesn't even think about, doesn't need help in their life. And again, here we talk about instruction, understanding who Christ is. The eunuch asked Philip in verse 34, tell me please, who's the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. In other words, Philip began with whatever issue was going on right then and there and showed Jesus Christ to him. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where he would have started reading. Doesn't matter what the situation is. Doesn't matter the nature of the help. Doesn't matter if you've got a lot of time, a little time. It doesn't matter if you're investing your life for years and years. You can begin in that time, that moment, right there, that second. And that can be that first step to showing someone what Jesus looks like. And where, where do we mess this up? Why do, why, do we, why do we get confused sometimes? Why do, why, are there, why do we follow Jesus and at the same time we get frustrated in life and with people, about people, about situations and circumstances and so forth. Philip took that moment and from there built, as slowly as it may have been, building up to who and what, showing who and what Jesus is. You see, our problem is we get in the way sometimes. And we often want to take that, that moment and build and show, yeah, who Jesus is, but, but also who we are. What good people we are. How great we are, how nice we are, how smart we are, how strong we are, how sacrificial we are. Let your light shine before man so they may praise your good deeds and glorify who? Your Father in heaven. Not you. Why do people follow Jesus and still get frustrated about so many of these interactions and these sacrifices that they make? Because we don't think it's about Jesus. We think it's about Jesus and us. Philip didn't care at all about himself in that moment. He cared about showing this person who Jesus is. I don't even know if they knew each other's names. But he cared about showing him who Jesus is. This is who Jesus is. And I don't care if I leave this place and you forget all about me for the rest of your life. He essentially would say to this Ethiopian, in this moment, I'm going to show you who Jesus is, what Jesus is. This is where, if, if, if we can't get over that, if we can't get past ourselves and our own desires and our own ego, if we can't get past the fact that we think we are the point, then the help and the showing of people who Jesus is is always going to be a burden because we're never doing it the right way. It's always to display the beauty of Christ. Fellas, if you can dance, okay, I don't know if I should say that. I can dance. I'm a fantastic dancer. Not everybody agrees with that. But the purpose, fellas, if you go dancing, is not to draw attention to yourself, right? It's to show off your partner. 
This is essentially what you're doing when you're helping others. It's never to draw the attention because you're going to get frustrated. It's to show off who Jesus is, what He is, even if your name is never remembered throughout history. You've already lived out an incredible purpose. As he traveled along the road, verse 36, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, this sort of supernatural work in Philip's life. And the eunuch didn't see him again, but he went on his way, what? Rejoicing. Rejoicing. Because of sharing the light of Christ, he just brought someone to, from confusion and frustration to rejoicing. Everything else about his life hadn't changed. But that moment, that moment, he goes from not understanding, from confusion, from frustration to rejoicing. So what happened to the Ethiopian? I don't know. Nobody knows. The Bible doesn't say anything. There is speculation that he, he became a missionary uh, due to some, of the, some historians uh, in Ethiopia. Again, a different Ethiopia than today. But nobody really knows that. That's not really the point. Nor should it be the point for you and me. By wondering what happened to the Ethiopian, I think that's a temptation for you and me to ask the question, does my help really mean anything? Does it really even make a difference? We don't need to ask that question. The point is that the person needed help, and God placed a willing servant in His way to help him. God offers the opportunity, but the willingness is only up to you and me to show who Jesus is. Now, in Philip's case, this was done by word and instruction. But may we never limit ourselves to only that mode. Matthew 10, starting in verse 40 through 42, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. Anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. Look at verse 42. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. A cup of water. Wouldn't have thought twice about it if it wasn't for that day that Jesus sat the 12 of us down. It was a busy morning. We were all doing the business of his ministry. We were running errands, talking to the townspeople. And then he, um, he pulled us aside that afternoon in a quiet place. He spoke for a long time. There were no stories, there were no parables. He just spoke plain, painstakingly plain. The bottom line was this. He told us if we were to continue following him, things were gonna get dicey for us. That there could even be physical harm when we mentioned his name. He was not painting a pretty picture. But we all knew that uh, 
this is going to be the price for carrying out his message. I put on my bold, bold, brave face and I nodded in agreement. But inside, I mean, I'm a tax collector, not a soldier. I, I don't know anything about courage or bravery. I couldn't be more ordinary. And I remember thinking, I wonder if Jesus knows how scared I am right now. Not a sparrow falls, he said, that is not in the Father's care. And how much more are we worth? But it's this, it's this that got me. He said to us, if anyone does some simple act of kindness to us, his followers, even like a, giving us a, a cup of cold water, they will not lose the reward. That's how much he cared for us. If someone shows a simple act of kindness, even in the worst scenario, it meant something in heaven. Jesus said on the cross, I thirst. And that same cup of water he mentioned, we couldn't even give it to him. He was willing to die painfully, thirsty even, for our sake. And because of that, my courage grew. Not out of bravery, but from love. To help, to offer kindness in its many different forms. Where does that come from? Where's the well from which we, we, we satisfy that desire to help? Where does it originate? You've helped people before, church, and hopefully you'll help people again in various situations in their life, various moments in their life. And yet rarely, if ever, has anyone actually physically forced you to help anybody, if they even could anyway. And if they did, I don't even know if that would be help. When you've helped people in the past, it was a choice you made. You saw someone, you saw something, and you chose to give perhaps even sacrifice time, treasure, or talent for the benefit of someone else and that alone. Where does that come from? Even at its deepest level in the human being. Some say 
Many people, foolishly, would argue that that comes from survival, a survival instinct. But you know that help has been offered by you that has nothing to do with your survival. In fact, it can even hurt the chances of your own temporal survival sometimes when you help others. It must be deeper than that. Some say love, and I think you're getting closer. But then you have to ask the question, where does love come from? How how is it defined? Who invented it? Church, we are made, listen now, we are made in the image of God, and we get no closer to that divine image than when we give of ourselves to show the light and love of Jesus to people who need help. That is as close as you will ever get to the perfection of this divine image. People also created in the image of your God and Savior need help in all areas of life in all kinds of ways. Sometimes it's material things. Sometimes it's emotional comfort. Sometimes it's education. Sometimes it's time. It's all kinds of things. Some people reject the image of God, even God as our creator, yet even they know what it is to help. It's built into the very essence of the human being. To reject shining the love of Christ when people need help around you is to reject your humanity. You become animals at that point. I become an animal at that point. That's to reject our humanity. And certainly divine image or the image of God. And God has equipped every one of us to help where and when he places us. Look, we may not all shine Jesus' light in the same way. But there is a piece of his light in each of his followers. So maybe it's not explaining Old Testament prophecy like Philip. What about a cold cup of water? Or have I still set the bar too high? Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did... For one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. One day, we will live forever with Jesus in an even more obvious way than we do now. There will be no more sorrow or pain or hardship or struggle. Until that moment comes, this is what you have and it is all you have. There are no do-overs for this part of life. When it comes to shining the goodness of Jesus, when people need help, why on earth hold back? What are you holding back for? What are you saving up? When days are dark, when people don't get along, when days are good, when people are sad, 
when people need help, what are you holding back for? This is all you have. We will be made new again someday. So we might as well spend, by the time we leave this, this life, we might as well be completely spent. Dark days, people not getting along and arguing, sadness, anger, help. Be the light of Jesus. This is what you've been given. Church, if you don't do it, no one will. But I'll tell you this, when you do, you become what you were meant and designed to be. If you fail to do it, to shine the light, the character, the nature, the love of Christ to other people in this life, you go your whole life and all you do is just exist and then you're snuffed out. Whole world can live that way. I'm not going to. I'm going to sign God's name with authority at the end of the page. Relying a whole lot on his patience and forgiveness, but still with authority. A life well spent. A life well spent. Shine Jesus' light, church. You can start now, today, with friends, family, loved ones, strangers. Show people what Jesus is like. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you are. We thank you that we can be challenged. We thank you, Father, that you have placed us in a position where we get to show our kids what Jesus looks like, that, that, that we get to experience true life, that we don't just exist, that we have a mission and we have a purpose and we have a lasting legacy that you help us, you, you allow us to participate in. Father, help us when we leave this place. Help us tomorrow. Help us next week. Father, you and I both know we're going to be talking about different things as we go through this year, this life, but I don't want us to forget. Forget that we are the light of Jesus. Don't let us forget that we are His hands and His feet. Don't let us forget that we get to show His character, His nature, who He is, what He is. And if the whole world doesn't like it, we continue to follow our King. We continue to follow our Savior and our God. Father, give us the strength, the perseverance. And please, Father, even if it takes harshness, please change our minds so that what we do and what we say and how we act is about displaying the beauty of Jesus and not ourselves. Couldn't care less, Father, if I'm forgotten. I don't want who I serve to be forgotten. Allow us to design, to help, to grow our lives in such ways. Help us to show the next generation, help us show our kids this is what Jesus looks like. In His name, we come before Your throne. 
Amen. Please stand and sing. And are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself?
Well, good morning. I know that imaginary versus actual wrongs. You know, I know that wasn't the point of what Dad was talking about, but every time somebody gets up here and speaks, there's just something they say. I just lock that in, and I think there's a whole lesson around that, actual wrongs versus imaginary wrongs and how we actually see the world. So that'll, that'll come up someday, just so you're aware. Prepare for that. Read up on that. Uh, someday that's going to, I don't know when. Maybe someday. A uh, couple things, first of all. Uh, well, first of all, before we go any further, I, I really appreciated our new piano player today. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's nice to have him here. His name's Wesley, Wesley Ramsey, yes. From what I understand, that's his name, I think. That's... We spoke a little bit, got to know each other earlier today. Over the past 42 years, we've gotten to know each other. Um, also, this is VBS uh, Preparation Week. Next week is VBS Week. This is sort of the inside of our spaceship right now, um, and there's a lot of things that are going up and a lot of things we're, we're going to put together and make sure we have all of our lessons in line and decorations and all these things. So there's a lot going on this week, very, very busy week, it always is, and uh, so if you want to help out with that, please do. At the end of VBS week, we'll have a lunch that uh, helps out a little bit more, uh, Epo House and, and uh, that ministry. Um, or that, that, uh, that mission, and you can be a part of that. We also have our annual meeting at the same time. We do that every year, um, and I'll have a financial printout for everybody, but you can get that throughout the year anyway. All you got to do is stop by the office, and there you go. Uh, if you've <clears throat> volunteered for Vacation Bible School, well, your shirts are in. However, they're not out yet. We'll have those out next Sunday. All right, next Sunday, please stop by, grab your shirt if you have volunteered to help, and do your best if you could to wear those throughout the week as much as you can anyway. That helps with the kids and helps with everybody else kind of seeing um, uh, you know, an authority figure there and helps them um, as they're going through the evening. So please make every effort to pick those up next week on Sunday. They'll be in the foyer. Your name will be on them. If you can't, it's not the end of the world. We can hold it back and give it to you on the first night or that later on that night of VBS and so forth. So please do that. Now, all that being said, uh, a few weeks ago, just to update you, I did tell you that uh, Ashley Phillips has accepted the responsibility of heading up our children's ministry, taking over for Laura, um, and, and we're all excited about that. We're going to talk a little bit about this at our elders meeting tomorrow night, but I just want to keep you guys up to date on some of the things. She is going to begin full-time at the end of October, okay? Full-time, is going to, that's going to start at the end of October, so we're not going to jump into that right away. She has other responsibilities, other commitments that she's already made. That's the way it works when you, you take on another job, and uh, so she's got to see those through. Um, in the meantime, or until then, you can continue to direct children's uh, ministry questions to me or Katrina or Erica Caudill or Brittany Oglesby. Every time we talk about those things, every time information is passed, every time something is done, Ashley is included in on that loop, uh, so she is aware of everything going on. Now, 
even though she's not going to begin until October, she is going to be here during different days leading up to that. She's going to be here during VBS. She's going to continue to help with worship ministry. Um, she'll be in and around not just the building, but around our church family and our church body um, when and if she can uh, from now until October. But October is the first is when she really starts uh, starts full time. So you can keep those things in mind. Okay, that's the that's the housekeeping. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. I don't know if uh, you've ever been asked that question. I don't know if God's ever put that on your heart, on your mind. Who should I send? Who will go? Who will do? Who will be? Who will try? Who will sacrifice? Who will persevere? Who will risk? Right? Who will go? And I don't know if, it, if that question has been on your heart and mind. I don't know if your answer has ever been, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> Be careful when you say that. God will hold you to your word. He'll hold, he'll hold you to your word. It's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to say. To open yourself up to be an instrument used by God because it's about Him. It's not about you anyway. Be an instrument used for His glory. Be an instrument used for the glory of Christ, for the salvation of people around you. We don't say, but we're certainly instruments in that, right? It's a wonderful thing to be able to say, here am I, send me. But it is a challenge. I think that we can all, we can all realize that times or multiple times throughout our life, I think that question has been asked by those who profess Christ who shall I send? Who will go for us? Who will do? Who will be there? The question is whether or not we've said, here am I. Here am I. Send me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the love that you've given us. We thank you, Father, that, that we experience that love in many different ways. But right now, we experience it here with, with our church body, with friends and family that have come together right here, right now, to learn, to study, to hear from you, to sing to you. This is a great gift, wonderful gift, Father. Thank you for this right here. Uh, we ask, Father, that we are challenged today, um, that, um, that we realize the purpose of our life can be to reflect your perfection, and I, I thank you for that. Help us to be challenged. Help us to take these things seriously, Father, and to be true and accurate to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, <clears throat> Matthew 5.16, this won't be on your screen, uh, but we are reminded in chapter 5 of Matthew, that we should let our good works or our good deeds, or rather let Jesus' light shine before people so that they will see our good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. So that they'll see our good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. It's interesting, in that same, that same uh, message, Jesus says, make sure people see your good deeds so that they praise your Father in heaven. A little bit later on in that same message, he says, when you're giving or when you're being generous or whatever this is, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing, and so forth. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting the way he lays all that out because he's seeing all of life here and the different situations that we go through. He's teaching different lessons all at the same time. But there is a moment when he says, look, you have got to let your light, let this, these good deeds 
after following Jesus, shine before man so that they will praise your Father in heaven. So we've asked the question, or someone's asked the question, maybe we've asked it of ourselves, but we've heard other people ask, do you understand who Jesus is? Maybe we've asked them that question. What is Jesus? Who is Jesus? What does He mean? Do you understand what Jesus looks like, what His character is like, His nature is like? And many times people say, look, how can I understand Jesus unless someone helps me, unless someone shows me what He looks like? On night five of Vacation Bible School. This is what we've been doing is going through Vacation Bible School lessons. On night five, we really have a summary of everything we've talked about throughout the week. Night one, we talk about when, when, when days seem dark. Night two is when people don't get along. Night three is, is, is the good things, the good things of life. Night four is when people are sad or I think sad, sad or angry or maybe, maybe all those together. But we talk about all of these things, and finally on night five, it's really this, when people need help, shine Jesus' light. And that almost encapsulates everything we've talked about in those days or those evenings leading up to it. People need help, shine Jesus' light. You know, we've heard the story probably many times of the Good Samaritan in Scripture, and that's usually kind of the quintessential help others story. But the story used this year in our VBS lesson is one from Acts chapter 8, where Philip helps an Ethiopian official understand who Jesus is. Philip, not that Philip, a different Philip, helps an Ethiopian official, not that Ethiopia, a different Ethiopia, understand who Jesus is. The Ethiopian official serves Queen Candace, but not that Candace, actually a different one, okay? So... We'll get into that a little bit later on. This is why you study. This is why you begin to understand some of these things in Scripture. That's why you ask questions. I ask questions all the time when I read Scripture because this is, I don't, I don't understand what they're talking about. So if you don't understand, you ask questions and people teach and people lead you through this. So we'll get into all of this here in a little bit. Uh, but we see this story in Acts chapter 8. Now, an angel of the Lord, Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, that is the Spirit of God said to Philip. Luke often says the Spirit of God. He often says a messenger of God. He often says an angel of the Lord. He's talking about the Spirit of God talking to Philip. God Himself, God the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that indwells those who have given their life to Jesus. Not those who have said they've given their lives to Jesus, but those who have given their lives to Jesus. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Philip, this is not the apostle Philip. This is a different Philip. This is what you might call the deacon Philip. We're introduced to this Philip a little bit earlier on in Acts. Okay, so this is a different Philip than the one who was a disciple uh, following Jesus or an apostle following Jesus. Different, so a different Philip. Um, but there's a very big command. There's a very, very big word in this command from the Spirit of God in verse 26, and the word is go, go. All this other stuff in that line, we can understand, we can do, we can believe, we can, all this. The go part is the hard part. Go. You ever shrugged off the command to go? Go across the world? Maybe. Maybe you shrugged off the command to go across the world. What about go across the room hmm? when it comes to helping others? What about go across the room? You ever shrug off that command? Or go, pick up the phone, go to the hospital, go serve, go volunteer, be humble, forgive. While we're at it, what if the command 
to go has never been challenged, has never been thought of in your heart and your mind? What if you profess the name of Christ and go has never been something you wrestled with? You don't listen, you don't care. Go is, is not something you struggle with. We just do what we want to do when we want to do it. I think go, based upon everything we know about Christ, His commands and His ministry, I think go is something that every follower of Christ has heard at one point, maybe multiple times in their lives. I think if we don't hear the command to go, if we don't wrestle with the command to go, I think that's rather odd if we've professed Christ. But go, people struggle with. And I, I talk about people, I talk about this a lot. People come to me and they say, you know, I cannot hear the Spirit of God speaking to me, directing me, and guiding me. Many times I ask, are you sure? Or do you just not like to hear what he has to say? Because the Spirit of God talks all the time. And we just say, I don't like to hear what you have to say. And then the Spirit of God's not talking to me suddenly. Or at least that's what I think. Go, shine the light of Christ. When people need help, be the hands and feet of Jesus. The Spirit of God tells Philip, go, go to this place. I wonder if Philip had other things planned. He probably did. I doubt that he was just sitting there for days waiting to hear from God in this direction, this specific direction. He probably had his life going on too. He has seven daughters, by the way. We know that later on. That probably kept him busy, right? He, he got a lot of life going on. But God said, go. And Philip went, verses 27 through 29, so he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. You'll hear it a lot of translations. You'll hear it a lot of historians. Queen Candace, that's not, that's not who that is. That's not her name. That, that simply means queen. Now, we get a name nowadays from that, but it simply means a queen of something or an authority over something. Okay? And, and, and this is not Ethiopia that we know today. This is a different Ethiopia. Ethiopia that we're talking about here is a little bit further north and further west in Africa than, than the Ethiopia we know today. It's actually a very wealthy nation at the time. This is where Egypt gets all of its gold. I mean, this is an incredibly wealthy, um, influential, powerful nation. Um, so it's, it's not the Ethiopia. It's a, it's, a, it's a different part of Africa, a little bit further north, a little bit further west. And it encapsulated all of modern-day Ethiopia, too, but eventually that kind of gets cut in half. So here's an important guy from an important country, important area of life, or area in, in, in this world. And he's riding along. This man has gone up to Jerusalem to worship. Now, at some point, he has come to know the God of Jacob. He has come to know what we would understand as Judaism, and he's been worshiping in the temple. That has spread all the way now south of Egypt, clear into Africa, into these areas. And he was on his way home in his chariot, reading, chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. In other words, here's the opportunity to help. Philip, here's what I want you to do. Go show up. 
Just go show up. Just be there. And sometimes there's this tug on our hearts to help somebody, to, to assist, to guide, direct, to give, to, to whatever it is. And God tells Philip, first, I want you to be present. Just go. That's half a life just showing up, right? And he says, Philip, I want you to go to this place and I want you to be present there. You show up and you see what happens. I'll take care of the rest. We have no specific order from the Spirit, at least none written. But be near to where there is opportunity. Be near to where people may need help and need help. Verse 30, then Philip ran up to the chariot. He heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Philip is smart enough to realize, hey, here's the moment. Here's the opportunity. He's not getting a command at this part from God. He realizes he's placed in the position to help. God says, be present. All of a sudden, he sees that someone needs help and he acts upon it. He doesn't push, prodded to it. He says, clearly God's put me in this place, in this position to act upon this person needing help. And I'm going to ask, do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. What he's asking him is, do you need help? Be careful when you ask that question. Be careful when you ask someone, do you need help? Know what you're getting into. Because when you ask, do you need help, you are committing your life to their life. For however long or however brief, you're committing your time, you're giving it over to them. Do you need help? It's a big question. See, this is one of the reasons people don't ask it a lot, because you're giving up a resource you'll never get back. I don't care about all the other resources. They come, they go. I I just don't. My whole life. Just, God is just, He just gives you what you need. Just trust Him and just get on with life. Don't worry about it anymore. But time, time, time's all you have. And what you're going to do when you ask somebody if they need help, you're sacrificing time. You don't get that back. Do you need help? Huge question. You're offering time. He offers His life. He offers time. He says, do you understand what you, do you need help? Do you understand what you're reading? Verse 31, how can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up to sit with him. Look, there are folks in your life, sometimes they're strangers that you can counter. Church, please understand this. I've encountered this before. There are folks you come across that just need help. They're not jerks. They're not losers. They just need a hand. And then they're off to the races for the rest of life. They just need some help. Sometimes it's time. Sometimes it's education. Sometimes it's resources. Sometimes it's perspective. A lot of times it's perspective. They just need some help. That's reality. What else is reality? Yes, sometimes somebody's just going to drain you, right? You've met people like that. Time after time, day after day, year after year. They never get to this place where they take responsibility for their own life. That's reality too. I get it. But don't let that dissuade you from helping people. You might make all the difference in their life. 
Philip is about to make all the difference in this man's life. He's about ready to save his life. About ready to save his life. There are many who just need a little help to get up and running. And you have tremendous power to do that in their lives. So here's the passage, verse 32. This is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Now, who is Isaiah prophesying about? Do we know the answer to this? Who is it? Jesus. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. There are people that do not know this. We read through many of these prophecies. We read through many things in Scripture. And, and we know, maybe, what the prophet's talking about. We know what Scripture's talking about. Maybe even this story that we're talking about here with, with Philip and this Ethiopian. Maybe we've heard that before. But there are a lot of people who don't know. There's a lot of people who don't understand. There's a lot of people who need help with things that you and I shrug off every day. Because we, we miss it. We, we think that it's not a big deal. We think because we can manage it, then others can manage it. I would see this, I would see this Ethiopian and perhaps say, I can't believe you don't understand this, but we do this with a lot of things in life. I can't believe this is so hard for you. I can't believe you can't do this. I can't believe you can't manage without some help, without some assistance. Happens all the time, church. Everybody else is not you. And sometimes they need some help understanding. Maybe they need some help just starting, whatever it might be. And so here we find an Ethiopian who does not understand perhaps a prophecy that you and I pretty much we take for granted. Talking about the lamb, the sacrificial lamb. We know that that's Jesus. We have 2,000 years to figure out and understand that that's Jesus. There are some who don't know these things. Verse 34, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? He's talking about himself or someone else. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Here's the point. Philip took that moment, whatever that moment was, and he used that moment, that issue, that something, that need, that help that's needed, that moment, and he used that to show who Jesus was. However long it took, however brief it may have been, he started from that moment of need and said, I'm going to show you who Jesus is. And it began to grow from there. That moment of help me, all right, here's a chance to show who Jesus is. That moment might be small, that moment might be huge. It may take a long time, it may take a short time. We may have to build a lot on this picture of Jesus but we have that moment right there, that gift that we've been given. I'm going to show this person what Jesus looks like. Here's the problem. Sometimes we get very frustrated even after professing Christ. We get very frustrated in help. We get very frustrated in service. We get very frustrated with a lot of things in life, even after we've given our lives to Jesus. Here's why. Here's why we are divided many times in our own hearts and our own, my own minds. Because we see a moment of help. We see a moment where we can show somebody who and what Jesus is, but that's not what we do. We want to show them who and what we are. And how good we are. And how nice we are. 
and how strong we are and how smart we are and all of this stuff. And not only that, we look for a little bit of return on our investment, maybe in gratitude and thank you and recognition. You see, this is why we get frustrated because we think even then that we can make ourselves the point sometimes. And we're not the point. You are not the main character of your story. Okay? And if you think you are, you are going to go through the rest of your life frustrated and angry and sad and depressed. And time after time, you're going to be confused. You're going to be fearful. You are not the main character of your story. Stop acting like you are. Jesus is the main character of your story. And so every time we see a moment, help, what can we do? We can pour into this image of Jesus. This is what. I'm going to show you what Jesus looks like. I don't care if you forget that I was ever here. Here's what Jesus is. I don't care if the Ethiopian leaves go home, goes home to our new or old Ethiopia and never remembers Philip again. Philip doesn't care about that. He cares about the fact that he was able to show Jesus in his life because of this moment that he needed help. Guys, I'm telling you what, you take yourselves out of the story, not only are you going to be a lot more effective, you're going to be a lot happier. You're not the point. I'm certainly not the point. Jesus is the point here, and Philip knows that Jesus is the point here. He began with this issue, and he showed him Jesus. As he traveled along the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? He gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. This is a whole other study. This is your primary focus when it comes to a study on baptism we're going to do someday. Verse 39, when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. That's a supernatural occurrence in Philip's life. And the eunuch did not see him again. But he went on his way, what? Rejoicing. He went from confusion and frustration, not being able to understand, not being able to see who this guy is that they're talking about. He went from there to being saved and rejoicing. What happened through this moment of need? Through this moment of need, Philip just saved this man's life. Just saved his life. And for all we know, everybody else he came in contact with. So speaking of which, what happened? What happened to the Ethiopian? I don't know. Bible doesn't say. We don't know what happened to this guy. You read some historians, you can get some speculation that he became a missionary down in Ethiopia. But again, that's just speculation. We don't know for sure. But that's okay, because to wonder what happens to him may lead us to a temptation to ask, does my help really mean anything? Or what difference does my help really make? And I think we've missed the point, if, if those are the questions we're asking. The point is that this person needed help, and God placed a willing servant in his way to help him. God offers the opportunity all the time. The willingness, the willingness only comes from us. Willingness only comes from us. And by the way, when you're going to help, you need some help helping. That's why there's a part, we're a part of a church, or we're part of a group. If you're going to help, most of the time you need help helping. 
We need to participate in that as a group, as a body. So we have the chance to show this official who Jesus is. In Philip's case, this was done by word. It was done by instruction. But never limit yourself to that mode. Small things, little things in heaven make a big difference, I'm telling you. They're recognized. I love Jesus talking to his disciples, Matthew 10. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. Anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives so much as a cold cup of water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. A cup of water. Wouldn't have thought twice about it if it wasn't for that day that Jesus sat the 12 of us down. It was a busy morning. We were all doing the business of his ministry. We were running errands, talking to the townspeople. And then he, um, he pulled us aside that afternoon in a quiet place. He spoke for a long time. There were no stories, there were no parables. He just spoke plain, painstakingly plain. The bottom line was this. He told us if we were to continue following him, things were gonna get dicey for us. That there could even be physical harm when we mentioned his name. He was not painting a pretty picture. But we all knew that uh, this is going to be the price for carrying out his message. I put on my bold, bold, brave face and I nodded in agreement. But inside, I mean, I'm a tax collector, not a soldier. I, I don't know anything about courage or bravery. I couldn't be more ordinary. And I remember thinking, I wonder if Jesus knows how scared I am right now. Not a sparrow falls, he said, that is not in the Father's care. And how much more are we worth? <laughs> but it's this, it's this that got me. He said to us, if anyone does some simple act of kindness to us, his followers, even like a, giving us a, a cup of cold water, they will not lose the reward. That's how much he cared for us. If someone shows a simple act of kindness, even in the worst scenario, it meant something in heaven. Jesus said on the cross, I thirst. And that same cup of water he mentioned, 
we couldn't even give it to him. He was willing to die painfully, thirsty even, for our sake. And because of that, my courage grew. Not out of bravery, but from love. To help, to offer kindness. We do this, we've done it in the past, at least I hope you have. In many different forms, you've done this, we've done this as a body. Where does that come from? What is it? What's built in to a human being that would cause them to help someone else? Why does it even matter? Hopefully you'll have the chance to do these things again to help people. Rarely, I think, that anyone has ever physically forced you to help anyone. I'm not sure that would be called help anyway. The choice was yours and you made it. You saw someone, you saw something, and you chose to give. Perhaps even sacrifice. Time, treasure, talent for the benefit of someone else. And that alone. Where does that come from? What is the source of that? Some people, the cynic, and actually a lot of people say this, which is just the epitome of foolishness. Some people say it's survival. Survival. That that's where this is built from. And it's the only way we can survive, and so we've invented help, sacrifice, kindness, giving, survival. But you know, you know that help has been offered that has nothing to do with your survival. In fact, you also know that you've helped or probably had the opportunity to help in dangerous times that even hurt your chances of temporal survival. And yet, you offered help, if put in that position. So it must be deeper than that. Some say love, and I think you're getting closer. You're on the right track. But then you have to ask the question, where does love come from? If love is where help and kindness come from, where does love come from? How is defined? Who invented the concept? Church, listen to me. Listen, listen. We are made, you are made, in the image of God. No matter what you do in life, you will never get closer to that divine image than when you give of yourself to show the light and life and love of Jesus to people who need it and for that reason alone. You will never get closer to that divine, divine image than those moments. You can get a lot further away. We get further away all the time. 
but you'll never get closer. People also created in the image of God and your Savior need help in all areas of life and in all kinds of ways. Some people reject the image of God and they reject even God as creator. Yet even they know what it is to help. It is built into the very essence of a human being. Put it this way, to reject shining the love of Christ when people need help is to reject our humanity. It is to reject our humanity. We become animals at that point. I become an animal. As base as I can be. Just existence. God has equipped every one of us to help where and when He places us. We may not shine the light of Jesus all in the exact same way, but there is a peace of His light in every one of His followers, in every person that follows Christ. So maybe it's not explaining the Old Testament or explaining Old Testament prophecy like Philip does. What about a cold cup of water? We still setting the bar too high, are we? Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. One day we will live, we're living there now, but in a more obvious way, we will live forever with Christ. It's kingdom living now, church, not sometime in the future. But there will be a time when there's no more sorrow or pain or hardship or struggle. Until that moment comes, church, this... This is what you have, and it's all you have. This life, this moment, these opportunities, this time. It's what you have, and it's all you have. There are no do-overs to this part of life. So my question is, look, if it, when it comes to shining the goodness of Jesus when people need help, why in the world do we hold back? What are we holding back for? I really hope it's not your reputation. You need to come talk to me about your reputation if you think that's what it is. I'll be honest with you. Some of you maybe shouldn't come and talk to me about your reputation. I don't want to talk to people about mine. What are we holding back when it comes to helping people and show people Jesus? We will be made new again someday. So when this part of life's over, we might as well be spent completely when we leave this part of life. I don't want energy left over. That's just wasted energy. I want to be spent. Look, when days seem dark, church, when people don't get along, when days are good, when people are sad or angry, people need help. You need to shine the light of Jesus. You can be the picture. You can be Jesus in their life. Shine the light of Christ because when you do, 
you become the biggest thing there is in the whole wide roster of the human race. That's your purpose. You're not going to throw those eggs at me, are you, Sharon? I know you've got a dozen eggs over here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for giving us a purpose. Something that we haven't earned, but we have value. We have love because of you. We have a mission. We get to help people. We get to give of ourselves. We get to give our life over every day. Every day we wake up, we get to give our life over to actually be what you created us to be. Father, there are many days that I miss that. There are many days that I squander that. I throw that gift back in your face. We've talked about this. You know that. And I don't want to do that. I get selfish, Father, and I don't want to help people. I get scared. But I know that that's what I'm created to do. To introduce, to show off Jesus. Father, I ask that you will help everybody, myself included. Start with me. You'll help everybody in here to show off Jesus. I don't care if it's a big moment, a small moment. I don't care if it's fleeting. I don't care if it takes forever. Father, that we will live out our purpose and we will show off Jesus wherever we are, whoever we talk to. Even if we talk to people who hate him, help us to show off Jesus. Show the world what he looks like, what he sounds like, what he acts like, how patient he is, how loving he is, how strong he is, how courageous how humble how humble there's people in this church there's there's brothers and sisters right here father in our brothers and sisters right here who need help father start with me start with me put me in a position where i can do say give and help when people see me they they have a little bit maybe a flawed but a little bit of a picture of what Jesus looks like. Help me to live out my purpose. Help all of us live out our purpose, Father. Help us to be that picture of Jesus when our kids ask, what is he like? All simple, just look at mom or dad. Amen. Please stand and sing. the
Christ.